and someone's coming after Detective Olivia Benson. Oh man, some shit is gonna be going down, man. I don't believe it. I mean, this this what's this person's grudge though? Who is it? I mean, this is like probably gonna be the second time that um the Detective Benson is in uh, peril, man. Yo, this is Twisted, a Lauren or SVU podcast. You are now listening to Twisted, a Law and Order SVU podcast, where we recap and break down past episodes of Law and Order SVU. You can hear us out on Spotify, Anchor FM, WordPress, or, and, or any other streaming service. And now, here's your host, Brian Rose. What's up, y'all? This is Brian Rose, aka BD Rose, and this is Twisted, a Law Order podcast. Excuse me, a Law Order SVU podcast. Though that's a slip of the tongue, you know what I'm saying? Though, so we recap uh, past episodes from SVU from the first season onward. I'm not going to be selecting any episodes. We're doing this shit in chronological order. All right. We're not going to be doing, like I said, we're not going to be mixing it up like mixed, mixed vegetables and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, anyway, uh, how was your weekend, man? You know, guess what, man? It's just got, was, got snowing on Saturday. Finally, we got like a significant snowfall. Because throughout the past several weeks, you know, we were getting like some flurries and we get like maybe um like a coating or a couple of inches. But Saturday, man, we had like a big snowstorm and um parts of Long Island and Boston, they got hit by a blizzard, man. It's all, all white as snow and all that stuff. Damn, yo. I mean, we was getting close to getting like a foot of snow, but I heard that Central Park got eight inches of snow. You know what I'm saying? And ain't that right, Reggie? Yeah, man. Last time, man. Last time, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably gonna be his um a new friend Reggie, something like that. You know, he's doing copper some of the hair though. Hey, I hate the snow. I'm from Jamaica, man. Me hate snow, man. If it makes my feet and hands so fidget, man, I'll be gonna be dying. And Reggie, man, you're nice and warm over here, man. So be quiet. Anyway, um, yo, man. Finally, you know, we got like a huge finally I got a huge snowstorm here in the city, man. And Oh, man, I like the snow, right? I mean, I don't even like the heat and humidity because I be sweating a lot, though. And, I mean, I be, like, dehydrated and shit like that. Like, I'm the Wicked Witch of the West from um, The Wizard of Oz. Anyways, um, have you been watching the football playoffs? You know, the, the AFC and the NFC Championship? Yo, I saw both games, man, and guess what, though? The Super Bowl setup is going to be the uh, L.A. Rams against the Bengals in the Super Bowl. And I was, I was always hoping for Kansas City to win, but, yo, I mean, Cincinnati got had a huge upset. Yeah, I thought the Rams were going to lose the championship. I mean, yo, 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 I forgot. It was a California showdown between the San Francisco 49ers and the L.A. Rams and the Rams' home turf. But, you know, the Rams win it. And guess what? They're going to be hosting their own Super Bowl in a couple weeks from now. So, I don't know. I might move for the Rams or I don't know. I, I live in New York, so, I mean, my Giants, man, and they ain't, they're not in the playoffs. I mean, they haven't been in the playoffs in the past several years because they suck. Anyway, I remember what's good about it. I remember 10 years ago, I remember the, my New York Giants won the Super Bowl. They beat out the Patriots again. And speaking of Patriots, Tom Brady used to play with the Patriots. But right now, he's playing for Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And um, I heard that um, he's going to be retiring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, his Buccaneers, they are out of the playoffs right now. So 
Then the Cowboys are done. The Green Bay is done. So you got to leave um Let other teams take a chance in the Super Bowl. All right, so let's get some new Northern Order news. Dylan McDermott, who played the uh, mobster Richard Wheatley on Law and Order Organized Crime, yo, he he has been cast to play the lead in the FBI spinoff, FBI Most Wanted, replacing the guy named Julian McMahon on the show. I mean, well, so anyway, let me ask you, will his tenure or presence on Organized Crime will come to an end? Well, the answer is yes. And I thought he was gonna juggle both shows, but I mean, Dick Wolf, man, I mean, he needed a producer, and he he got like two franchises. I know, made no make up three franchises: the Law and Order, Chicago, and the FBI's, man. Because turns out, so I mean, his presence on uh, McDermott's presence on uh, organized crime going to come to to an end. So what will happen if that guy leaves that show? Will the ratings slip? I mean. Uh, People like this character because he's like he's like the main villain on the show for, for Detective Stabler. So, so that me so if um, McDermott is going to be going over to the CBS, you know, the FBI most wanted. I mean, I don't know. People going to be watching him, something like that. I mean, he's going to change his role from a villain to a good guy. So, who's going to be the next villain on organized crime? Hmm, who knows? Anyone knows, though? Anyway, and I mean, some of y'all Law & Order fans are a little, be a little disappointed because there's not going to be any... There's not going to be any new episode until after the Olympics. So, when the Olympics, Olympics, Olympics is over, it's like February 24th will be the day that the original... Law and order, it will be coming back. Yay! Hey, 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 Reggie, Reggie, calm down, man. Hey, 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 Yes, please. Yeah, yum, 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 yum. All right. So, um, as I was saying, that um, there's not going to be any um, Law and Order SVU or organized crime episodes until February 24th. When they come back, though, though, they're going to be. It's going to come with the return of Law and Order on February 24th. So, they're going to be having like uh, three Law and Orders in one night coming February 24th. That's right after the Olympics. And I used to watch the Olympics, so I'm just losing interest in... I mean, wait a minute. I just saw the Olympics, like, uh, last summer. I mean, a good thing it Canada won the soccer game, soccer tournament. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not interested in the Olympics, but I just watch it for my guilty pleasure. I don't know what it is, though. I feel like eating, like, a bag of potato chips and shit like that, though. Anyway. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Okay, okay, so um, right now, though, we're going to be doing this. This is, right, this is our 45th show, so we're getting close to the 50th episode. And I might do something on the 50th um, episode of my podcast. So um, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to tell you, this episode is, yo, there's some asshole is stalking Vincent. I mean, he killed, like, a few innocent people who are connected to a cases or something like that. So, I mean, who is stalking Benson this time, right? I mean, I remember back in the season one episode, I think it was, um, say, uh, this realtor guy, he killed um, Benson's friend, lawyer, or something like that. He killed a girlfriend. Oh, yeah, I remember his stalk, though. So, right now, this asshole got an obsession with the live. So let's get to that. Let's get to the episode. All right. Um, this is Law and Order SVU Season 3, Episode 2, Wrath. And it aired on NBC on October 5th, 2001. 
which is also like the second um, post 9-11 show, something like that, though, I mean, so like it's like almost a month where we had the one of the Twin Towers were attacking all that stuff. All right, and this is written by Judith McCreary, right? She's another law or the SVU veteran writer, something like that, and producer. And it's directed by John Day Zagonsack. And he is the guy that um, directed the first episode of SVU. All right, so, um, okay, in the opening, you know, we uh, begin with um, two workers of state, somewhere upstate New York. And these are like, um, these two workers, though, they've um, doing some hazards. They're in some hazardous area, and they're trying to do some research and all stuff, like looking for um, bodies. And it's, um, it's like, um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, so it's like they just do research, you know, like chemicals, looking for bodies and stuff like that, though. And uh, these workers, though, um, they discover three dead bodies, which doesn't belong to them. And they was like brown buried and stuff like that. I mean, at first, you know, as they find people dead, dead and buried in the woods, and they find three more people found dead, but that, that doesn't belong to them. So they decided like to call the authorities and all that stuff, though. Okay, so the later on in the day, we have um, Detective Stabler shows up, and he's with an FBI agent, right? And um, he's, um, and the FBI agent's character's name is Rob Franklin. So who is that guy who's playing the FBI agent Franklin? You need to put Detective Benson on a desk. No, she's a liability. She's one of my best detectives. I don't doubt it. The bodies were done at a facility funded by federal dollars. If I take the case from me, I have to put it in writing. My complaints end up a black mark in your file. I don't want to do that, Captain. Yo, that happened to be um, actor John Dolman. And he's also a repeat offender. Yeah. Because he played multiple characters in the Law & Order universe. Like several times. I mean, he made a guest appearance on the original Law & Order. And check this out, though. He has been on SBU like um, like a few times. I mean, he was there and the, he played a guy guy on the bar in season one. Then season two, he played like a Munch's informant and stuff like that, though. And he later played uh, another character on SBU. But this dude, right, he'd been on like um, multiple Law and Order appearances in the franchise. I mean, like I said, he was in the original Law and Order. And SBU and New York Undercover. And he also appeared in films and other TV shows. So, so that's a repeat offender right there, right? So, um, Stabler and um, FBI agent, um, you say agent uh, Franklin, right? They talk to the um, workers and stuff like that about the body. So, and then one of the workers tells them, You're contaminating the crime scene. So, Stabler is there with the Agent Franklin, and um, and then they're trying to figure out what happened because it turns out that the the three victims were past cases where well, no, they were detective fences past cases, and sometimes they were like some of them were like relatives of the um, well relatives of the victims and stuff like that. So first one, this was like a twelve year old whose father was drug and he was placed in a foster home and the the lady she was a a, a never rape rape victim and a rape victim and the third guy turned out to be a father of a rape victim so so all, all these um victims were related to the defense's cases so um and so, uh, so it's also Agent Franklin tells Stabler that he needs a briefing at 2300 hours and um, and all that stuff though. So it was like, hey, no problem. So Agent leaves and Stabler looks at the bodies that were found and then made it black. Then we go to the new opening credits as usual, you know. And then after that, we end in the precinct and then Stabler arrives. He's coming out of the elevator and Bess is there and. 
Benson asked Stabler why she wasn't even informed or something like that, though. And um, Stabler gives him the chalky, yeah, 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 and then Warren, and Warren's on his way. So, and Benson was like, wasn't, was um, like a, bit, a little disappointed, but she was, has been notified. And, um, and Stabler already tells Benson that, um, that Warren is taking care of everything and stuff like that, though, it hasn't brief. And then Benson says, well, Libby says that uh, she is the primary on this this one. And Sable's like, okay. Okay, so we're in the score room right now, and then and they go on through the um, list of the victims and stuff like that, though. Because, um, all right, the first victim, <clears throat> all right, Benson gives, like, like a briefing, and it tells him that the first victim was... Um, it's like uh, Peter, I think it was um, Peter Cordell, something like that. He's a white male, and he was like the father of a rape victim. Turns out that um, his daughter was raped and beaten by a guy named Victor Clausen. So um, he already did some time in jail and stuff like that, though. So, and so that's the so that's the father of the victim. And the second victim was um, her. She was, her name was Carmela Barantes. And then she was like um, raped and beaten by some like gang member or stuff like that though. And um, turns out that um, Ben made a comment saying that um, the gang the, the gangs getting younger. They're recruiting young, you're recruiting kids and gang members or something like that nowadays. Nowadays though. And then the third victim was uh, he was like a twelve year old kid named Clayton Derricks. So he was placed in a foster home after. His father was abusing him, and uh, next thing you know, that he was abused at a foster home, and he was raped at the dumb group home from some 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 perverted asshole kids, something like that. Though that was that was messed up, though. And all of these were Olivia's past cases, and it turns out that all three of the victims had have some potassium chloride and sedatives in their system, so. However, though, I mean, um, Craigans was like, did they have to go talk to um, they, 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 Everyone has a grudge on against, everyone has uh, some of the best, and you have to go follow the cases and then go do some investigation and stuff like that, though. All right, so um, we outside um, this, um, I guess it's, they know this guy's house, and then Benson and Stabler, they're talking to uh, Tina's brother, who owns the house. And, um, it turns out that um, he didn't, he didn't like the way that Victor did it with his sister or something like that, and his father was going to go after him and stuff like that, though. So, and he also tells him that um, the suspect, the Victor Clausen or ex-boyfriend or whatever, though, he tells the detectives that he has been released from prison and then he got a job and he's about to become a father. And... Um, Best of the same like ask him is like they were stalking him or something like that though. And then and then the brother was like, um, he's not happy with what he did, but he wanted to ride in jail and all this stuff though. So and then and so next year later on though, Benson Sabler goes see Victor who's working at his job though. And then they say, I ain't doing something like that though. And then they wanted to talk to him about um about um Tina Cordell, something like that, though. And then, you know, Vic, and Victor was like, look, I changed my life right now. Look, leave me alone, stuff like that. And, you know, Stavely's trying to rough him up and all that stuff. They want to, he want to arrest him and all that stuff. And he slams Victor against the back of the van. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He has something to do with the murders of um, her and two other people or something like that, though. And Victor tells him, you know, the detectives ask Victor what was him where was he when um when the the father was murdered stuff like that he told him that he was in a Lamas class though with his with his wife or something like that though and Victor was like we done but then next thing you know Saber slams <laughs> he, was, he slams him on the back of the door back of the van again and he slaps him in the face saying we now we done and then he walked away and shit. <laughs> Yo, I mean, Sabler is just a damn, is a tough guy, shit like that, though. I mean, yo, I mean, yo, I mean, <laughs> slamming him twice in the back, in the back door of a van. <laughs> yeah, Victor, he says, 
And Victor's and Victor got tough on the Vincent Slaver saying he's a changed man, leave him alone. And then the father's dead. I mean, and they tell him the father's dead. He was like, nah, I mean, fine. Leave me alone. I'm a changed man. I'm moving on with my life. Come on, you know. Whatever though. Okay, so when the next scene, um, um Munch and Finn are at Mrs. Hardy's foster home. And they talking to Mrs. Harding about Clayton, his whereabouts, and something like that, though. So, and she tells she mentioned something about um, Clayton being um, uh, abused, something like that. And then, yeah, rough time over here. And the, Mrs. Harding tells him that um, he was best friends with a guy named um, Michael, something like that, though. Okay, so a bunch of fans are downstairs. They talking to this guy who also works with Mrs. Harden. And yo, that actor looks familiar. familiar. And I think I seen him on uh, Oz. And I remember he played the janitor in the movie. Um, what's it? The Substitute 2, School's Out. You know, it's like the 90s movie with Treat Williams. And it aired on HBO back in 1998, I remember. And check this out. The Substitute 2 also starred B.D. Wong as the villain. So did you see, have you ever seen the movie The Substitute? It's a 90s movie with Tom Berenger. Well, they had a sequel out called, um, when it came on HBO, called The Substitute 2, School's Out. And the guy who was working in, at, in the, Mrs. Harden's home or foster home, though, he was a janitor in that movie. So... So though, so the the guy who works at Mrs. Hardy, though, he brings him over to Michael, and then God tells Michael that these two men want to talk to you, and then and then the guy leaves, and then Clayton's friend Michael asks a bunch of things to show the badge that Sarah badges, in which they do, and um, they ask him when the last time he seen Clayton, and Michael said it was yesterday. He told him he Michael he came and told him that he wanted a computer. He got a letter saying that he wanted a computer, but Michael knew it was a scam because he says that he can't get separate from nothing and stuff like that. And then he also told the detectives that um, he asked him for cab money because he didn't tell him because he can't get on a train because he would get jacked. So Michael tells the detectives that he gave um, Clayton $22 in change, and that's all he had, though. So <clears throat> and that's all it is, so much suspense. Okay, so um, next scene, and we're in the apartment of um, Carm. I think it was um, we, we, we um, Benson and Stable talking to um, Carmela's mother or something like that, and she had like gray hair and stuff like that. Though she also told the detectives that she got a letter saying that she won a computer. Ooh, I can't believe it. so. Two victims. Where guy literally saying they want a computer, and then they tell them, and and, and it turns out that they have to come to the city or come over to the place to go pick up the computer. But it doesn't make you no sense on me. I mean, it doesn't make no sense. You got selected to win a computer because um, this kind of like a scam going on though. So we back in the squad room, and and best of the stable come in, and then much of and then next thing you know, it's as much as Finn is there, Craigan. And turns out that um, you know, this is um Carmela's mother. No, it says that Carmela got a letter for a computer. It turns out that Clayton got a computer, and um I think it was um and then Tina Cordell's father also got a letter saying he wanted a computer. So Stable is like three for three and all that stuff. So however though, Munch got the um, well, Munch was on the phone and uh, he called um yeah, and it turns out that uh, they, he was on the phone talking to a guy who works for Sterling Cat Service. And, you know, I, I forgot to mention that Michael mentioned that um, he was, um, that the Clayton called this cab company called Sterling Car Service. So, so, Munch just got on the phone and he talked to the guy at Sterling Car Service. It tells him that the Clayton, possibly Clayton, said that he went down to this, ad, to the, when he was dropped off at this address down in Chelsea. So, the you know, the detectives, the squad though, they started to go over there and check it out though. Okay, so we're in some outside the office, and this guy who probably um, 
work they who probably works there or something like that you know he stayed talking to the munch ben best and saber tell him that the the guy he was doing business with the guy on the phone and it turns out though he just um yeah i mean it, and then next day they lead him to his office and stuff like that though and it turns out that everything is like shit is like empty and there's boxes and stuff like that and i mean and there's no computers in sight though and um the guy who leads him to who led him to the office he tells him that um the guy he tried to call him back get like a return number we we try to call him it turns out his phone was like disconnected and stuff like that though so next thing you know is that the munchman best saver they find um empty glasses and some chloride something like that though and then and then munch was like we got a crime scene whoa whoa and then the guy was like crime scene i am not responsible for what's going on around here though so even though that when he opened the office door right outside the office it says olivia productions right when you get inside when they close the door no when olivia closes the door it sees it, it has her name on it <laughs> oh shit! this is getting personal <laughs> if the perp is going after olivia no wonder why it's it's like a scam going on around here i mean that's the twist that's going on around here. I mean, why why, why would the per why trying to kill people with potassium chloride du duping them saying they got a computer and shit like that though? That's a damn setup. And next thing you know is that um and it turns out that the, the perp is stalking Olivia. I mean, what did she do to him? Huh? Hmm. Okay, so um all right, so we with this act two and we're in the squad room and um dr wong is giving a breakdown with all like three victims and dr wong says it's a case about revenge against benson i mean it's personal stuff like that though so however though craigan says you gotta go follow the money so they have to find out they, they have to find have like a list of uh suspects who had a beef against um detective benson olivia something like that though that was like, I mean, we had to check, look into Benson's past cases, see anyone had a grudge against her and shit like that, though. So, and then Dr. and Captain Cragen tells Benson Stables just follow the money. So, we at the bank right now, and um, they, Benson Stables, are talking to a worker at the bank saying the breezy accounts on these suspects and anything like that, though. And next thing you know, and then next thing you know, when they stepped out the bank, Benson Stables will walk and talk about why these people are having a grudge on hers anything like that though i don't know what it is though and then stabler gets a call saying that um that clayton's father is there in the, in, in the tombs or whatever with clayton's father has been arrested for drunk being drunk and disorderly so they go down to the police station and they talk to clayton's father in jail and um they tell him that, that he um they found this body up there in uh, Poughkeepsie, and the father was like, "What the hell is my boy doing up there?" And then they tell him that he's um on a computer or something like that, though. And then, however, though, Clayton's father is pissed, and he blames Benson for putting taking his son away from him. And I mean, and he denies he's being drunk and stuff like that. I mean, and and, and then and then he says out that. His son was raped in that group home, and he blames Detective Benson putting him there, saying that he's better off. And he didn't want to talk anymore. He tell, called the guard and tell him to get the asses out of anything like that, though. Okay, so we we in the street, and Benson's doing a walk and talk, though. And um, and then next thing you know, Saber gets a call saying that um, they had, like, three ex-cons Benson sent away, and they wanted to get even, something like that, though. So later on, we uptown at 125th Street in Harlem, and Benson Sable and Benson Sabler they talked to one of the ex-cons who had a beef against um, Olivia for putting him away and stuff like that. Though, and this guy, he is a he was a former drug dealer. He's now confined in a wheelchair. Well, now, something must have happened to him during that time. I mean, he probably got shot, and then he left him paralyzed and shit like that. Though, so. The guy in the wheelchair he tells um 
that's in that um, he's over it though. He he was high on crack and all that stuff though, and um, and then Sabler tells her that some ex-cons looking for going have a grudge against her as going coming after her, and um, the guy in the wheelchair says that luckily that she's still breathing stuff like that, and then he just sits there watches the he sits there trying to remind kids about what his life led him to and all that stuff though. And you know, Sable's like he just letting it tells him he's just letting the world go go by. And then you know the guy in the wheelchair saying that he was just trying to show the kids what he'd been through and all that stuff though. So he probably like a changed man. And before Benson Sable leaves him though, the guy in the wheelchair was like, I hope you find your boy. Okay, so meanwhile, Munch and Finn are talking to another ex-con, and he is fat and <laughs> He's selling magazines and books and stuff like that, though. And um, they and much of them they mentioned the tell them mentioned something about uh, Detective Benson and the guy. That guy was like, "Is she dead?" Munch slaps him upside the head, saying, <laughs> "Stupid man!" And then they know that Munch says that, that he was um about he got he went after him about raping his little niece years ago, or something like that, though. And then. Um, and then, then the guy was sitting there saying that he's changed. You know, he got no sex drive. He got his own rag. He's not fat. I mean, I mean, and then I ain't having, I mean, I mean he says that he ain't thinking about no kid. And then one slaps him again saying, you stupid liar. Are you still, are you silent. You be going after them, though. Selling, he's selling children's magazines and stuff like that, though. And then, <laughs> see, so He's stupid. And then, um, then, you know, the guy, the fat guy was like, what do you want more from me? And Munch was like, a special kind of surgery. And then they leave. Now, um, when I look at the street signs, this was probably filmed right around St. Nicholas Avenue towards 110th Street, I believe, in Harlem, stuff like that. I'm not sure. But I might be right about that, though. So, so we had the flower shop. Best of the at the flower shop back in downtown. And they talked into... Um, um, Mrs. Plummer, and they asked him about her ex-husband, Eric Plummer. And and then Mrs. Plummer was pissed at the cops, saying, you put an innocent man in jail, right? He did his time and all stuff. I'm just leaving him alone. But however, most of Mrs. Plummer also tells them that they're separated and stuff like that, so they're not together anymore, though. And, um, you know, she probably missed pissed at Benson because putting an innocent man away and stuff like that, though. So they leave him alone. However, you know, it's like the, it turns out that the reason why they innocent man put in jail because DNA evidence wasn't like come gone through or stuff like that. Though it's just like, um, and and so, and without lack of DNA evidence, I mean, we don't know who the real killer is and anything like that. Though, yeah, grudging. I don't know what it is though. So, let me tell you something, right? The two of um, victims, though, I mean, no, the three victims, though, they have no connections and something like I don't know what it is, though. But one of the ex-cons probably has a grudge against Detective Benson or he's probably stalking her or something like that. Two of them, though, there was like um, one guy was like that he over it, though. He don't have a grudge against her no more. And the other guy, he changed saying that he's selling children's magazines and much as Finn still thinks he was a pedophile. But this best put away is a man without proper evidence, though. Did he kill somebody? Hmm. I don't know what it is, though. So, much in, uh, you know, um, Detective Benson and Sabre do a walk and talk, right? So, um, and then, you know, Benson and Olivia's like, I'm so tired. I gotta go get some rest. I'll see you tomorrow. All right. So, um, well, later on at night, though, um, Benson is in bed. It's, it's like early, late night, night, early in the morning. It's like 3, 4 in the morning. And then she hears, um, I think she hears the, um, the door buzzer or something like that, though. So um, next thing you know, she goes to the door, answered it, answered it. Nobody's there. Next thing you know, like she hears a buzzer again. It's like the intercom buzzer. So, um I don't know, things are getting a little tense right now, though. It's a little stressful and all that stuff, though, because someone is ringing her doorbell and all that stuff, though. So 
it's it's kind of strange and all that stuff. I mean, guy ringing the doorbell, put a pestle over it though. Next thing you know is that um, some stranger is ringing the doorbell again from downstairs and stuff like that though. So that's how you know the detective, Olivia picks up her gun and she goes downstairs to the, you know, like the lobby and she goes to the front door to see who was out there, who's ringing the doorbell. When she comes out of the building though, she sees a big box with a dead body inside. <laughs> oh shit. So next thing you know is uh, she has to ring the intercom for help and all that stuff. I mean, yo. So we end the act two. We're in act three right now. And uh in is 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 discovered that it was Clayton's father was in that damn box. So Agent Franklin comes there, Sabler's there, and Agent Franklin tells Benson that you off the case. And Benson was like, hey, I'm not a victim, though. The guy is stalking me. He's wasting our time and all this stuff, though. So uh, it turns out that um, Benson asked him who bailed Clay and out. And then they found him report the files. They say it was, it was her. What? That is some bullshit right there. I mean, that's a bullshit. I mean, someone had to let him out. I mean, she wasn't there. So they say it was her. So someone put it in her name. That's some bullshit, something like that, though. Okay, so later on, moments later, we have to bail Bondsman's dude, and then I call it, um, what's the name of it? Lonnie's Bail Bonds, right? So uh, Benson Sabler speaks to Lonnie, who's in charge and stuff like that, though. And Detective Benson confronts Lonnie about saying that she didn't bail him out or something like that. And I was trying to ask him who is this guy, who's the who's the person bailing out though. And then Lonnie was like, sweetheart, I can't help you. And Benson was like, sweetheart, that's when you know she takes out a badge and tells everyone to get out of the building and shit like that. And then Lonnie was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, I mean, yo, I mean, Benson is going off and getting emotional about this though. So you know, Lonnie came up and told him it was a white dude probably in his late 20s early 30s or something like that though and he paid in cash though <laughs> and then um he they they think it was like drug money and then it was like line was like there was no drugs or anything like that though i don't know like that it's some bullshit, something like that i don't know what he did pay i don't know what he did for her that's stupid though we're craig is off this and then and then um, FBI agent Franklin comes in and tells Sabler that Benson has to be put on the desk. And um, Sabler, you know, Cragen, no, excuse me, Cragen was defending Benson, saying she's the best detective and blah, blah, blah. I don't want to do that, something like that, though. So, yeah, so we in the squad room, and um, there was a call was made to a lab where uh, Mr. Plummer works and all that stuff. So they have to. Um, so I had to go down there and go find Mr. Plummer. So Benson Sailor talked to the supervisor or boss at this place called Baseline Labs. That's where Mr. Plummer works. And they and then and they tell him Mr. Plummer is not here, he's doing an assignment or anything like that though. So and then he also mentioned something about saying a potassium chloride and stuff like that though. So it's probably used as um potassium chloride is used as a death row cocktail so somehow you know it turns out that the labs will they do potassium chloride and take this equipment with them yeah 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 i don't know what it is so we back in the precinct and um, um olivia talks to dr wong and dr wong tells Benson, saying it's like a psychological warfare and shit like that though so next thing you know is that they hear it turns out that guess what mr plumber arrives at the squad room with his lawyer so so and it turns out there was something going on downstairs so then detective benson goes downstairs and she sees um mr plumber with a lawyer and craig and stuff like that and then they bring him to um uh you know the, the you know one of the office something like that so now who's the guy that's playing um who's that guy we're gonna do who's that guy now who's actually playing eric plumber as a field detective, Benson, to have your credibility shattered and your life in ruins. It sucks. I was innocent. Yes, you were. 
But then you killed four innocent people. Three innocent people, one child abuser. I thought cops cared about the facts. Why did you choose them? They were suffering, and they needed their misery to end. Right, that had to be Justin Kirk. And um, he appeared in the theory, I think it was uh, Angels in America. It was like a, um, you know, a TV screen adoption of the play, something like that. I figured he had on HBO or something like that, though. He was just remembered. And before he made a guest appearance on SVU, he was in this um, WB sitcom called, sitcom called Jack and Jill. I don't know if you remember this one. And I haven't, I don't remember watching anything like that, though, so. All right, so um, he plays Mr. Plummer, and then um, he's in the office with the, the Stabler and Cragen and Cabot. They talk to him about him stalking Benson and stuff like that. But his lawyer defendants them saying that his clarity did his time. He put an innocent man in jail. He didn't even do anything. I mean, he was um, he was locked up for murder. He didn't, didn't commit. And Mr. Plummer says that I did my time. And he, I mean, ridiculed and all that stuff. I mean. In his defense, he was like, I mean, I, I, I had to go to prison and, and I had to be tough enough and something like that, though. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, put this man as a victim and all stuff. I mean, please. Whoop. I dropped my red pen and all this stuff, though. Now, moving on, though, we at the bar. And Benson is Benson, much and there. They're discussing about why innocent men being put in jail or something like that. And they talk about plumber. And you know they say the DNA evidence have uh, there was no they they haven't done their best you know it's just, um, they didn't clear anything personally because back then DNA there was no like DNA and stuff like that though but whatever though sometimes the labs DNA be screwing up sometimes though and then Benson blames herself and then sometimes you know we become like monsters ourselves and stuff like that though. But she does admitted that um, she put an innocent man behind bars. You know, I mean, maybe cops would like become monsters themselves and stuff like that, though. So, Benson takes a sip of some drink or vodka. I don't know, whatever, though. So, later on at night, Benson is walking the street at night, though, probably going home. That scene knows that she's being followed by somebody right behind her. The yes, we know is Olivia draws out a gun. And it turns out the guy right behind her is an FBI agent, though. And then uh, even they try to they restrain her, tell her to take it easy. And all of a sudden, uh, Olivia sees Mr. Plummer watching from across the street. So, oh my goodness, that is stalking shit like that, though. And um, next thing you know, that that that's the guy. It's like that's the guy. It's him. And then you know the FBI agent restrains her, and then another FBI agent comes in. Telling her, hey, take it easy and stuff like that, though. I mean, and Bess was like, hanging, like, it's him. He's watching me. It's, it's Plummer. He's, he's talking to me and all that stuff, though. And next thing you know is that Bess looks across the street. Plummer's gone. And they, and then the FBI tells her that, that um, they, they're, they're on protective detail, stuff like that. And Bess was like, I didn't want no protective detail. I didn't want no protective detail. And uh, one of the FBI agents tell them that it was a partner stable. It didn't come from coming come from them and stuff like that though. So later on that night though, she goes over to see Stabler at at home outside his um, house and all that stuff though. And Benson um was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, so um, he's getting Stabler's concerned about her. I mean. And he knows that he needs, they had need to watch over her and stuff like that. I mean, maybe he cares over her. Maybe Sam is just being a dick and anything like that. I don't know. I don't know what it is. And, you know, yeah, Stabler did order protective detail because, you know, he's, like, worried, concerned about her. And Mess was like, I didn't want it. And then she just upset. And she tells um, Stabler, if you can't trust your partner, I think I can get a new one. She walks away. Hmm. All right, so um, we're at the Act 4 right now, and Benson talks to Cabot about that plumber assaulting her, and Cabot acts like she doesn't believe a word he's saying and stuff like that. And then she asks her, how many, how how, how much did you drink? <laughs> oh, and Benson was like, I wasn't drunk. She believed, and you know, Cabot thinks that um, that um, Olivia's had been drinking too much alcohol and stuff like that. She had this hallucination and stuff like that, though. I mean, Cabot. 
Why are you acting like a stuck up bitch? <laughs> hey, yeah, Alexander Cabot, yo. I mean, you probably got like a, a white white hair in the middle on the top of your head, like a damn skunk, just like that girl from Josie and the Pussycats and all that stuff, though. What are you talking about? Um, and then yeah, Cabot thinks Olivia is crazy. And then that's who will say she wasn't that drunk, though. I don't know. Is this guy from a mind messing her or something like that? Motherfucker, see my language or something. I don't know what it is, though. Hmm. All right. So um, later on, we're in Craig's office. And then um, Vance, Detective Vance is talking to Craig. And Craig um, goes after her about this protected detail that Palmer stalked her or something like that. I mean, I just, Craig just lost his pages. Like, Craig was like, Are you out of your mind, yo? Oh, you got stalking you and stuff like that, though. They know evidence and all that stuff, blah, 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 though. And then, you know, he's concerned about her and stuff like that, though. So, however, though, so Vincent asked Craig if she could take some time off. And Craig was like, okay, that's fine. So, um, Vincent gets her things and just breaks out and says bye. And then, you know, Sabler is there and um, much of Finn is there. So, ah. And then, so, so however, though, and, um, they go to Plummer's background when he did some time in jail, though. He was, um, turns out that Plummer had a cellmate who goes by the name of um, uh, Russell Williams. Yeah, he did he did time recently. He was he was just got paroled recently, but he's back. He's he's back in jail on another murder beat. That's what that's just what that's what's according to Ben. So, so they do. So we had to go get in touch with the Plummer cellmate. So, we 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 had some we had some office and then Kevin's talking to an executive district attorney who goes by the name of um I don't know um Villani, something like that. Oh we have a special guest star. Who is the character that's playing Villani? Absolutely not. Russell Williams killed a drug dealer. A life is a life. Who are we to decide who has more value? Do you really want me to show the DA photos of a dead 10-year-old boy dumped among rotting corpses? I've got Williams said to rights. This time we could put him away for good. All right, that happens to be better actor, the late Ben Gazzara. And he appeared in uh, films such as Spike Lee's Summer of Sam and Buffalo 66. And he did some television work, too, and some theater work and all that stuff. I mean, yo, I mean, he worked until he uh, he passed away like 10 years ago. And he was like 81 years old, though. So he plays um, the, the DA one time in Green Valente, something like that, though. So they was talking about... Um, Talking to um, say we say Mr. Plummer's soulmate or anything like that though. So they're in the office. So next scene, though, we're in uh, somewhere in Rikers and somewhere in, in um, prison. And Cabot and um, Bengazaro they talk to Plummer's soulmate who goes by the name of Russell Williams. And I could, I swear to you, I could tell you that that's the same guy who played a Suge Knight type character on uh, season three episode New York Undercover, Kill That Noise. How about hand-delivered letters? Delivered? I own it. From my hand to my old lady to Eric's wife. The old prison express avoids the warden's censors. If he talked to me, what do you think he spilled to his old lady? Yo, yo, I can tell you that I forgot the guy's name, but he played um, the C.K. Barry in the season three New York on the uh, New York on the cover episode "Kill That Noise," and he played like a fake Shook Knight and so stuff. And then he's like a manager and something like that, though. And you know, you seen him? You, have you seen the show New York on the cover? I I have that on tape. Though there was an episode where they had like the East Coast West Coast rap beat shit like that, though. And one of the rappers is killed. And it was inspired by the murder of Tupac Shakur. So I have that on tape, though. I mean, this is like a rapper got shot by rivals, but it turns out that he was shot by unknown assailants. I mean, the unknown assailants, they were like two guys with the hoodies. They were never caught. 
oh shoot. Next thing you know is that um, the rapper's manager, he got killed. Fake ass Suge Knight. And I'm telling you that Suge Knight is a damn jerk, man. He now he the real Suge Knight is locked up though. While the fake Suge Knight on New York on the cover, he dead though. Gee. So anyway, the they in prison and then um he um he tells them the plumber was talking about uh, some uh cop lady, stuff like that. Turns out to be Benson. Okay, so we're in Plumber's apartment and Sabler and Munch is there, Ben is there. And they find some potassium chloride, a small ass bottle or something like that, though, in his apartment. So let's say, let's go pick his ass up, though. We at the plumber's work, we're at the spot where plumber works, and then Saber confronts his uh, supervisor or manager, something like that, though. And he tells the stabler that Benson was here earlier, threatening him, obstruction, and stuff like that, and stuff like that. And he gave Benson the, the address. And, um, Say was like God's in the guy's face saying, Where is he? Oh shit, though. I mean, Sailor ain't not got no joke and shit like that, though. So we outside this apartment building and Benson arrives in the building and then she buzz she gets buzzed in, goes inside. Next thing he knows is she hears a shot come from inside the apartment. So she calls for back Benson calls for backup, and then the door opens. Yo, and it was this plumber is there pointing a gun to this lady's head. Maybe the lady owns the apartment. So Plumber asks Benson to come in, which she does. So they have like a little standoff going around here. And then Benson got her guns up and then and Plumber has his guns on the woman's head saying, I'm going to blow this girl's brain out, stuff like that though. So Benson pleads him to put the gun down, put it away, and then yeah, she was sorry for what he did and anything like that though. And Plumber, you know, he didn't, he he just like, I don't give a shit, man. I time and nail though. I mean, Plumber was like trying oh my goodness. And then he next thing you know is um he took Plumber tells Benson that there are no bullets in the gun. And then next thing you know, Plumber makes tries to make a move, try trying to make a move, and then Benson shoots him twice in the chest and stuff like that. Plumber goes down. Damn. Shit. <laughs> the stabler and the cops all come in though. And um one of the, one of the other cops, they look at the gun and they tells they tells um Stabler and Benson that the gun was not loaded. So <laughs> So the yo plum so plumber wasn't bluffing, man. He <laughs> Oh shit. Oh my goodness. He, and and then Plummer tells Benson that okay, he his gun wasn't loaded. Benson doesn't believe him, and he looks like Plummer's trying to pull. Then Plummer's pulling the trigger, and she just overreacted, just shot his ass down. Plummer is dead, man. The bullet wasn't loaded. Now Benson feels a little guilty and stuff like that, though. And then and then Benson stable is like, I'll take a statement. And Benson's like, You get the hell away from me. And then she walks out of the house, disappointed though. Plumber lies in there, dead. We're in Benson's apartment, and then it's, it's a touching scene, you know. I mean, it's emotional. I mean, Benson is there sitting on the couch crying as raining outside. And then someone answers the door, but she just completely ignores it, something like that, though. Next thing you know, uh, outside Benson's apartment, Sabler walks away. Looks like it turns out that Sable was um, was buzzing the door, and then Fade to Black, Thick Wolf. It's, it's a crazy ass episode. All right, so um, I get it now. You know, the, here's the twist in the episode. It turns out that this mysterious guy is has an obsession with Detective Olivia Benson, and um, he he killing like people. That you don't even know. I mean, yeah, he just and uh, it turns out uh, this guy, right? He's he was mad at um, Benson because um, she put him away for a crime he didn't he didn't commit. And the DNA evidence that they, they didn't exist at the time. I mean, she set this guy away several years ago before the DMA did some labbing and stuff like that. He was doing some work and stuff like that, though. I mean, you holding a grudge against you holding a grudge against a cop because she put you away 
wrongfully, stuff like that, though. And, you know, he took everything personal. I mean, shit. I mean, speaking about obsession and stuff like that, I remember there was this movie called um, Ricochet with Denzel Washington and John Lithgow. And it turns out that this, this um, ex-con, he was going to plan revenge against the cop who put him away. And he starts framing him. And then he had to kill off close people close to him and stuff like that. This guy's a crazy motherfucker. Let's give him a little stay. <laughs> John, Lithgow, John Lithgow was good playing a psycho. Man. I, mean, I mean, Ricochet. Oh, I forgot to tell you. The movie Ricochet also starred Ice-T in it, though. Yeah, that was a movie that came out like 20 years ago. It was like a HBO and shit like that, though. Oh, yo. So, there's a coincidence. Ice-T was in the movie with Denzel Washington called Ricochet, right? And he didn't play a cop. He played a drug dealer. So, and so it's like, I don't know if it's a coincidence for Ice-T to be in something where this um, ex-con is stalking a cop or something like that, though. So, it's like similarities. I don't know what it is, though. But if, if if you haven't seen Ricochet, I mean, why don't you go to YouTube or streaming the movie? Check it out, though. Because um, I was watching it when I was a kid. I was about 15. That was... That, wait, wait. Did Rick, Rick, Ricochet. Nah, did I say it came out 20 years ago? No. I made a boot mistake. Oh, no. You made a boop boop, buddy. Buddy, my, my, my. Reggie, be quiet. Yeah, um, Ricochet came out the 1991 that was like more than 30 years ago right not 20 years ago my bad i don't know i gotta get my brain messed up and i need i need to go see dr dre man see if he can hook me up dr Dre and snoop dog i'm oh yeah by the way um i also wanted to tell you that um they um they shot the uh season three of svu way too early I mean, they filmed this before 9-11. But I want to tell you y'all that it was shot in the springtime. Because you notice the, the tree, you know, the leaves weren't growing on the trees. So, um, they started season three early for obvious reasons. Not existed right strike. Oop! Subliminal messages! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Damn, I sound like the damn Deadpool shit like that, though. <laughs> you talking about, about that party boy? Shut up, Reggie. Anyway... It's like a pattern, you know, the, the season three of SVU because they shot, they started production on the season way too early and they were like, they filmed it like months before 9-11 had happened though. And like I said, they shot that in the damn springtime, you know, like, um, you know, for, you know, Riot Strike, you know, I already get spilled the beans and shit like that though. So, damn. Not Heinz baked beans, all right? So... So, I mean, um, 2001, they had Outkast, Jay-Z, Mystical, and they was in the charts, and uh, Jagged Edge, and I uh, do you remember this uh, singer called Little Mo? And she's a, she was an R&B singer with the big-ass lips, and she had a hit song called Super, Super, Superwoman. That was probably in the spring, and uh, Destiny's Child blowing up, and Beyonce trying to go solo and stuff like that. So, anyway. Now, What's on my mind is that I wanted to, to, to interview the former Law & Order SVU showrunner Neil Bear on the show. That's what my, my goal is, but I haven't gotten no response just yet so like that, though. So I already went on Twitter and I texted him a message that saying I want to interview him on my show, but he didn't respond. Hmm. Anyway. So anyway, I mean, nothing just happened. So I got to keep trying, you know, just like that, uh, you know, you know the singer from Groove Fury said, keep trying. You remember that song? If it don't happen that bad, and keep trying, then you know that it will take you higher. And keep trying. Yeah, and I love that song, man. It's got like a metal, smooth beat to it. You know what I'm saying? Roof Fury in the 90s. Yeah, that was a good time back in the days, man. Back in the days when I was younger, I'm not a kid anymore. Someday I wish I was a kid again. Anyway. Anyway, so um, 
hopefully, you know, I mean, it's cold outside. I hope you enjoy the snow if you live in New York City and stuff like that, though. And, yeah, by the way, the Super Bowl 56 is on. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be um, the L.A. against Cincinnati, man. So, y'all got to be watching it. Are you going to be betting on it, though? Oh, you, y'all, they're coming to drive kick. No, no, no. I'm a, I'm a, I feel I'm going to sound like J.B. Smooth on the commercial saying, Season rewards for will star you, man. See, but enjoy seasons. They got that nigga J.B. Smooth dressing up as a damn Roman, something like that. Say, enjoy seasons. Shorts rewards will find you. Then Leon from Curb Your Fusiasm, man. Man, please, just shut the hell up. Hey, that's not a party boy. Be quiet, Reggie. Anyway, so um, I'm going to wrap it up right now. So I want to thank you for, for listening in. And I'm going to come back next week with a new episode of Twisty. You know, Lord, Lord, SVU podcast. So I already give you the twisted saying that XCOM was stalking Benson and because uh, he put him away years ago. And, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, like I said, you know, I mean, it's a man, you know, I mean, Feel sorry for the person, you know. I mean, best is feel sorry, but you know, I mean, the end. I forgot to mention that the end of the episode was so emotional when um, Levia cried. That was like real tears, man. I mean, she could la- act her ass off. Anyway, um, now uh, that's it. I'm gonna wrap it up, and I'll be back next week in a new episode. And I right, take it easy. So. Twisted, a Law and Order SVU podcast is written and produced edited by me not by me anyway though and this is a one man show going on over around here so now yes, right, this is recorded from my house in New York City good night and good day